This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Welcome to Shrink Chicks. I'm Emily Beerley. And I'm Jennifer Chaikin. And we're licensed marriage and family therapists and owners of the therapy group. We're on a mission to make therapy and therapeutic topics more relatable and accessible. So stay tuned, because in order to grow yourself, you gotta know yourself. Good morning. Good morning. We're back to recording in our houses together because of possible exposure. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) We shouldn't laugh because this shit's insane that we're fucking talking about this again. It really, like, that sigh that just came out was so real. I almost, though, I don't know why, maybe this is my anxiety, but I almost felt prepared for this. That is so your anxiety. See, okay, this is where we're different. I'm like, we're done, man. I got in my head. (laughs) We're like, oh, vaccine rates are going up. Things are going good. (laughs) <laughs> but you know me. I'm not. such I'm you... a I'm a bit of an optimist. But this is why we work so well together because yes. then I just bring you back down to earth, right? And to let you know like oh no, this shit is coming back. But um you know, it's helpful in some ways and and not helpful in other ways. In this case, the anxiety was really helpful because I didn't get too excited. Okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And also, you know, I love my house. And so if I get locked down here again, I'm just going to be chilling. <laughs> and you have a new kitten. I have a new kitten. Oh, you know what I was going to say? If you did not see, if you don't follow our Instagram and you didn't see Jen's new cat. Oh my God. I'll we post, have to post more pictures of Nellie. She's I'll so post cute. More pictures. She's so cute. Also during my sessions, I don't know if anyone can see the video, but whoever's watching this video, my cat jumps up onto this chair. So she pops her head up and her hair is looking all wild. Yeah. She's frazzled, man. She looks like frazzled. 
frazzled, so frazzled. And so I think that it probably distracts my clients from their work selves being frazzled. Right. Right. Um, but I think it's helpful. It's like having a therapy cat. Oh my gosh. Where is she right now? Oh my God. I see her. She just walked in. Oh, I can't wait to bring her up. Listen, bring her up. Bring her up. But um, we but also, yes. wait, we have some really exciting news that we have to announce. We have expanded into other states. Yes. And not shrink chicks, but the therapy group. The therapy Because group the shrink chicks is just still us. It's still us and will probably always be us. But our business, the therapy group, where all of our amazing clinicians are, is now in Illinois and Colorado. We're so excited. And you know what? We we felt a need in different states. And also, when clinicians reach out to us and they share our mission, it's so hard not to bring them on because we really believe in bringing on clinicians that are great practitioners and also down to earth and share the same mission. So anyway, if you are in Colorado or Illinois, you can reach out and connect with our new clinicians. Yeah, if you're looking, if you're looking for a therapist, individual and couples and families. There you go. There you go. Um, hey, speaking of therapy, let's talk about narrative therapy. <laughs> I love that. You like my segue? That was beautiful. You're so good at it. Do you practice them? Yes, I do. At night, I stay up. I wait till everyone's asleep in my house. And then I stand in the mirror and I talk about different segues. <laughs> I No, I don't fucking do that. I truly could picture that though, you know, where you just like stand in the mirror and practice. You know, sometimes I know I'm getting off topic because your segue was so good. I apologize. But do you ever like think about a conversation in your head when you're like in the shower? Every time I'm in the shower, but it's usually like conflict where I wish that I said something different. Like I wish like someone someone was a jerk to me in public and I like come back with a, 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 I come back with a remark afterwards in the shower two weeks later. And you're like, I should have done this. Might yes. either that or like prepping for a conversation that actually just never happens. Yes. Oh, yeah. Oh, that's a big one, too. Right. Oh, right. the rehearsal, the rehearsal of conversations. Right. It's always in the shower, too. It's just the time you have to think and you're just like scrubbing your hair, getting all all revved up. And while you're thinking of that script, that narrative, maybe. Let's talk about narrative therapy. Um, So there is a ton of different theories and different types of therapy, right? And I have no idea why we decided to do this one today. I actually love narrative therapy. So So do I, but I don't even know how this came up in general. We decided to do this, but I'm excited to share it with people that don't know. And I think that, okay, we once again have gotten so much out of going to grad school and learning all these theories. And, and I believe for the most part, like most therapists are pretty eclectic in what they use theory wise. And mm-hmm. we are pretty eclectic in what we use. Because and it's so not one we, size fits all, right? Like exactly. everyone's different or so everyone needs different approaches. Exactly. And some people like attach themselves to certain approaches more than others. They just like feel more right. And so narrative therapy, we want to talk about, we want to give you all the secrets. And this is one of those secrets of narrative okay. therapy. Yes. So basically the whole premise of narrative therapy is that it separates a person from the problem. And the idea is that we all have these stories about ourselves. Maybe growing up in my family, I was always the easy one. So now in adulthood, I can't ask for help because that's not my role, right? Like I can't, I can't, you know, make a wave. Or maybe in my family growing up, I was always um, the quote unquote bad one. And so then in adulthood, I always assumed that I am... 
in trouble or, or getting ashamed, right? So basically, like, we have these narratives, and that's how we see ourselves. So those sort of things sort of take over this entire idea of who we are. And really, the point of narrative therapy is to encourage people to, like, rely on their own skills and to minimize problems that exist in their lives. And so that might sound like, wait, well, do we want to minimize this? But the bigger thing is that you are more than this one thing you have going on, right? Even if it's a huge thing, even if it's that, um, you know, I'm going through, I'm working through trauma. You're a lot more than being a survivor of trauma. You're also a human being or a sibling or a child or a parent or any of these different things. So basically, um, when we give these stories meaning and the stories help to shape a person's identity. Wow. Yeah. And so basically, so created by this guy, Michael White and David Epstein, and their entire point was, was it was for it to be non-pathologizing, empowering, empowering, and like super collaborative between a therapist and a client. And part of this is from this like third wave of therapy that it's, it's now very, very far away from this old psychoanalysis Freudian thing that the, the, all the therapist is asking Right. And it pathology, right. So like yes. old, some, some of those like old world ways of doing therapy really pathologize um, a client, right? Where uh, the therapist is a blank slate and anything that you say to the therapist is something about you and it's something to be analyzed. And so narrative therapy is something that empowers you to know that you actually already have the tools within you to make those changes. Um, one of the things I really love about narrative is the there's a piece of I, I'm not fully sure what they call it in narrative therapy. It might be the same thing, but confirmation bias, which I think is really important, something that helps us build our stories. So if we have this story about ourselves, just just <laughs> there wanted, she is. The kitten just is. jumped up. Quick a quick intermission. Kitten jumped up. And this probably won't be the last time. Thank you. Um so one of the things that I think is really important is that when we have this story about ourselves, right? When we carry the story, right? If I'm the bad child, if I'm always the one getting in trouble, then our minds tend to remember and file away the times in which we have gotten in trouble and the times in which maybe someone told us we were bad, as opposed to the times in which we did something good or we did, we followed the rules. And so those times will be forgotten. And the times that fit with our story will be remembered. And so this is what kind of fucks us up is that we, we start to, to remember all of these times that fit with the story and it helps further build the story and reinforce the story in ourselves. And so throughout time, we're remembering and reinforcing that for ourselves. And as we get older and we start to do our therapeutic work, you're like, what are you talking about? No, like I am this because here is all the evidence to prove that this is true. When really there actually has been so much evidence to to disprove that, but you just haven't remembered it. Yep. So, okay. So the, the techniques of what it does is really to help people objectify their problems, framing these problems within the larger sociocultural context. And teaching people how to make room for other stories, right? And so one of the things they do is identifying these sparkling events, they call them, mm-hmm. right? So I it's like it. it's a beautiful. time that the narrative doesn't go with the one you keep telling yourself. So if that narrative is everyone always leaves me or nobody wants me around, then identifying the times where that actually wasn't pro- proven to be true. 
right? right? So maybe the time that you were invited to the get together, but you said no, you know, like all of these different things is how do I play into this? And then how do I shape it? I will do an example of someone who has maybe like a Cinderella narrative, right? I always have to do the work and no play. I always have to be the responsible one. I always am the, everyone else gets to celebrate life and I always have to stay at home cleaning, right? I think this is incredibly common for a lot of moms Yes. <laughs> to feel this way, right? That's a story you're telling yourself. There can be tons of times that things fit into those stories, but do we also discount the times that don't, that it's way more complex than one story? I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on the accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty-free and the first and only carbon-neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I used this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post-construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that Pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. And I think that... The thing is that it feels more comfortable to remember the times in which it fits with our story, right? To be able to disprove that 
and say, oh, wait, here are all these times that actually disprove this story. It almost shakes up our identity and shakes up the comfort that we have that we've built in that identity, even if that identity isn't serving us. Right. So, you know, if you're if you start to do narrative work and here is Kitty again, I apologize for the interruption. (laughs) Um, If you start to do that work to be able to change that narrative, it can be scary. Like it can be really hard because who am I without this story? You know, and so changing that identity. But I think part of it is recognizing, like, how is this story serving me? Is it serving me or is it, you know, is it affecting me in certain ways? Like, and it can even be like very small examples. So if you have a narrative of like, oh, I can only, I'm trying to think of a good example. I can only sleep until like this time, or I can only do this kind of work at this time. And when it hits this time, I can't finish the work or I can't, um, you know, I can't see people or if you have like a very rigid idea about um, this is, this is the only time that I'm able to be productive, then you also start to act in ways that reinforce that story. Right? So you're like, okay, well, I can only do this at this time. And it keeps you from expanding your tools or expanding your day, expanding the things that work for you by saying, well, what other times can I do this work or what other times can I, you know, that, that it ends up putting you into a very rigid schedule as opposed to like looking outside of that and saying, okay, wait, maybe I can do things at different times. I'm sorry. Is my kitten distracting? Uh, You know who she looks just like is Bellatrix Lestrange from Harry Potter. I have to say, I've not watched a Harry Harry Potter Potter movies. Um, but now is that, worry, is I, she... don't worry. Cause you know that I'll make a collage and I will find a great picture of this and then we'll show it on, um, hold on. I got it. I think that's her Ow. name. Bellatrix, Bellatrix Strange. Oh wait, hold on. Hold on. Bellatrix Strange is jabbing her claws into my shoulder. Oh wow. Tell me that does not oh. look just like your yeah, cat. You're right. <laughs> oh my God. Look at you. You are a star. You're a you, star. You Harry Potter star. star. But, hey, let's use Harry Potter as an example just for fun here. Right? Okay. So, Harry Potter, right? So, his his was like, I always have to be the hero. So, he kept being the hero every fucking thing. Not one year did this guy be like, maybe I need a break and I'll just concentrate on my studies, right? And then Ron Weasley is like, I'll always be his sidekick. So, I'll never get the girl. Ooh. And then he ends up, by the last book, incredibly resentful of Harry because he's always seen as the sidekick, right? Hold up, hold up. This is, I'm sorry to interrupt. Have you read all of the Harry Potter books? Yeah, like 50 fucking times. I was that person who waited at midnight at the bookstore. I wasn't dressed up, but I waited. Jen, well, first of all, I'm like a speed reader. Like I love, grad school killed reading for me. I mean, like one of the things that I have like mourned a lot is like I have had like such a difficult relationship with um, reading reading for pleasure. Yeah. Yeah, um, yes, that. I've read every single Harry Potter multiple times and as exactly when it came out. Wow. Okay. This is, you know what? You learn something. The more you talk to your friends, the more you, you learn, the more right? You learn. But JK Absolutely. Rowling is still transphobic. So we still don't like, we don't like oh, her anymore, but right. yes. No, no, she's no. gone. Would, but wouldn't read those books today. Yes. Uh, no, I probably still would. They're still great <laughs> fucking books. 
<laughs> but okay, so like, so Ron Weasley had this idea, right? So like, he had this narrative. So then, by the end of it, he's holding this shit against Harry, and Harry's like, "What? What are you doing, man? I, like, you're making this all up in your head." So wow. all of us have stories, even people in the storybooks. Well, um, I, ha- I was gonna say, but didn't J.K. Rowling create? Okay, so this I I have a connection. Ready? Yes. J.K. Rowling created that story for them. Yeah. Right, yeah. and so. <laughs> So in in similar ways, our parents our great stories fa- for us. Families, our parents can create well, and society, right? Like every every different layer in context, right? So like here's a story about me because of the way that I look, because the way that I sound, because the way that I perform in school. Like society kind of gives us these stories, and then we and then we have a choice, which is to keep telling ourselves them, or say, you want to know what this isn't actually me. I'm a lot more than this, right? You know, and so I think a good, if we talk about what would you say a story, what's a story that you told yourself that you had to question? I have one for me. Okay, you I go first. Know, if it's easier. I always have to talk. I know. Well, that's, that's why I'm trying to get, I'm trying to make it personal, yes. you know? Um, so I would say like growing up in school, I wouldn't say I was very good in school. I mean, I still got A's and B's, but like I bullshitted a lot. Like it Mm -hmm. was not, um, did not come naturally for me. I wasn't that organized. I, you know, I had to work really hard and once again, bullshitted a lot. I didn't feel that book smart because also my brother was very intelligent like did really well, didn't have to try that hard. I think that's academically, academically, academically. Absolutely. And I think that that's also something to note is that like, if you're, if you have siblings, right. And it's so easy to compare yourself to your sibling and that Mm -hmm. almost creates your story within your family, right? Like they're the smart one. They have to try a little bit harder. And so I think that growing up, I always felt like, oh, you know, this is more difficult for me. This isn't as easy. I didn't really care about college that much. I was just like, why the fuck? I mean, I ended up going to college, but I was like, I don't, you know, this doesn't really interest me. Um, It wasn't until grad school where I was doing something that I felt really connected to that I was able to change that narrative for myself. And also we learned about narrative therapy. So I started to understand that in a different way. Um, and also understood the different levels of intelligence, right? To start to yeah. challenge that that theory. And so, but I think that the idea that school was going to be hard for me made me bullshit a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Like made me, you know, not really try that hard or- You didn't even give yourself the, a chance. Didn't even give myself a chance because I already had this idea in my head. And so I was also acting in ways that reinforced that and- So then when I got to grad school and started to connect with what we were doing and felt really good about it, it, I could completely change my narrative by how connected and, and I was doing so much better in school and actually working really hard. And so that would be an example of something and something to think about within your family system did was a story created based on, you know, maybe a sibling you had, or maybe your your parents' story about themselves, right? And how they responded to you during those times. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yes. So, okay. I feel like I another just... fun thing to think about with narrative is yeah. like, 
So Jen, if your life was a book, if we wrote your memoir, good. Give me some names of the chapters and what the title would be. Oh my god. My life was a book. Names of chapters. Okay. I would say for the first, this is beautiful. For the first maybe like 16 years of my life. Okay. It would be maybe like quiet or internal mm. or maybe like shy. Okay. Like there was a lot of kind of like internal processing that was happening. Yep. I would say between 16 and 25, my like coming out of my shell. Okay. Growth, growth, yes. Growth. Born, being born, blooming, blooming, all right. Bo- blooming, beautiful. I need you. I actually, I'm going to say them and then you can just name okay. the title. Okay. And then I would say 25 to now. No, 25 to 30. Yeah. Coming into my own. Okay. And then, and then I 30s. would say into my 30s, like, I've arrived. <laughs> Mama's here. Mama made it. How's that? How do we feel about that? It was kind of like, it really feels like a, like I was just coming out of my shell slowly. Yes. And just now I'm on a podcast. So. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Okay. I've I've arrived on this podcast. So what's the the name of the memoir? If we were to name your book now of your life, what are we naming it? Maybe like Sheldon after my turtle. <laughs> turtle. I had a turtle named Turtle. Great. I had a turtle named Sheldon, and I just feel like maybe he and R.I.P. because he's no longer with us. Yes. Is maybe my my spirit animal in this? Do, do you watch Atypical? No. Oh my god, you have to watch it. It's so good. It's about a kid who's on um, the spectrum, but he has a turtle that he talks a lot to and like they relate a lot and like I think you should actually watch this show it's so good I'm telling you I mean that yes. was pretty much me. yeah that's I would you. have conversations with my with my turtle and yeah. we just connect on a different level okay your turn what would you say a story is Okay, so my story, I think, that I've always had myself that's, like, sort of, like, immediate one, which I told you before is, like, rejection um, Uh, or being left out. Or, like, so, wait, actually, let me change it. It's, like, that I am disposable, like, that there's nothing, like, unique about me, right? That, like, I, like, bring it back to this, like, childhood memory of I buried my favorite Barbie on the beach, buried on the beach right just like you know like when you're a kid you're just like digging holes you put shit in holes I don't know and then like I, we couldn't find the Barbie anywhere and it was like my favorite thing I was like very connected to it and my parents were just like all right we'll just buy you a new one and I was like what you can't just buy a new one that's my doll wow. right wow. and so I feel like there's a thing for me that I feel like very easily replaced and like very mm-hmm. easily rejected and abandoned um, and so that's like a story I've had to work out of because I've had a lot of confirmation bias around that. Um, so if I was going to do my chapters, <laughs> I love them. I'm so excited. Well, like I didn't talk until I was like three and a half. So like zero to three would be like silence. 
Which our, is like, that's late to talk. I talked very late and now like, I have not stopped talking since. Um, you and, needed to prepare for all the talking that you were about to do in your life. Yes, yes. And then I feel like my elementary age was, um, um, I feel oh, like okay. from such a young age, it was like always about like trying to prove myself. Like I would say like across the board. Um, I don't know about my elementary age, but definitely from, I would say ages um, 11 to 16, it would probably be hungry because I had an eating disorder. I was very hungry. <laughs> that's a good great great chapter <laughs> so like there is part of this that like my eating disorder took away from a lot of experiences yeah. you know like when you mm-hmm. spend that much time thinking about food and thinking about restricting food and having food and how that food feels in your body like it takes up a lot of mental space yeah um yeah. so hungry hungry <laughs> starved yep. yeah starved <laughs> um and then I would say, like, 16 to 18 was, like, I was starting to, like, come into my own a little bit and, like, figure mm-hmm. some shit out. Um, college, I would say, was, like, for me, like, was very much about, like, pleasure and fun. Like, college was, like, the first time yeah. that I, I mean, after the first two years of college when I, like, really started to get into my major and left <laughs> left teaching um, after that and, like, started to, like, do some more specific classes I that was like a very different experience that I like started to like feel sure of myself and like feel like who I knew who I was a little bit mm-hmm. and then I would say yeah grad school and my 20s was about like I would say rooting like I would call it like, rooting myself into the earth and like yeah. figuring some shit out um and then I would well I'd say my late 20s to my early 30s was uh fucking chaos with like becoming a new mom and moving to the suburbs and even, like all like there's a lot of stuff that was like a big reborn and a rediscovery right and so that's what I mean like all these chapters are very very different what's your what's your full book called (laughs) fucked up (laughs) (laughs) feelings I have so many feelings too many feelings feelings do you think that our books would make it like you know how they like display the the new no. books? Definitely, <laughs> our not, books right? would be very very different. Like in the back, they would right. They would be very different. Yes, they'd be they very different be because like- we're two very different people, and that's when we talk about everything happens within context. To mm. have you and I that went to grad school at the same time, had the same careers afterwards, have been on the same quote unquote. Po- like places in our life for the past decade together and yet we're completely different and our context has been very different also we uh, we have a theory that we've been at the same parties in college and never met yes i'm like we're very sure about this like there's many times that like we know we were in the same place so we went to two different colleges too though i went to two different colleges Uh uh-huh god those are the days yes um so i think that there's a part about like a way to track this is like if there is a certain subject that you feel like you have a lot of dichotomous thinking around black and white there's a story there what's the story you're telling yourself if you're using words like always and never Mm. I think too if you you know we love to talk about your inner monologue right like look at those thoughts look at the ways in which you're talking to yourself about what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and also the ways in which you're interpreting people's reactions to you and mm. to also take note about the things that you're 
remembering, right? The things that you're taking in. And if you take a look at your life and look back at it and say, okay, well, like, what have, what have I been telling myself about who I am? How do I think that other people see me? I think that's a big one, right? Because we tend to... Well, often the story we have about ourselves is very different than the story that other people have about you. I would imagine the story other people have always had about me is like extreme confidence. Mm. Like I like really seem like I have extreme confidence. And I am pretty fucking confident now. But yeah. never, like, was that a thing always. But I would imagine the story other people told would be that. Right. But but you were very clearly telling yourself a different story. And yeah. so that's something to look at is, like, what's what do you think other people – and also, wait, sorry, I'm backtracking. Did you think that other people thought that about you at the time? No, I think everyone thought I was a fake and a phony. Exactly. Right. You're a fake so, and a phony and wish never laid yeah, eyes on you. <laughs> What's that from Greece? That Greece. was a, just came out of like the deep, the depths of your soul. Is that Rizzo? Who just popped up there? What is Sandra D? She Sandra says D, it sorry, to, to Danny Zuko once yeah, he's yeah. like a jerk to her at the movie parking lot. And she's like, You're a fake and a phony, and I wish I never laid eyes on you. She has an Australian accent. <laughs> right. He tried, did he try to grab her boob? Okay, he did, but he also was, like, being, like, a jerk in front of his friends, right? Like, it right, was about, like, right. you know, he was, like, trying to show off. I mean, like, good for her. I know, right? Wow, yeah, empowerment. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's wild. If that um, was me when I was 16, I would have been like, oh, just grab my boob. I don't yeah, know. Go for it. Don't go be for mad it. at me. to do, right? Right. Grease is really, really, really just paving the way. Um, <laughs> no, but I think something to think about getting back to it after that beautiful uh, movie quote is that something to think about is what are the ways in which you think other people think about you, right? Like, what do you think that other people are saying about you? Because most likely that's the story that you're telling yourself about who you are, not actually what other people are thinking about you. Like that might be your story. And so to ask yourself, is that story that I tell myself, is it helpful for me? You know, how does it affect me? Right. So if I'm telling myself, oh, I'm lazy and everyone else thinks I'm lazy. And because of that, I, you know, I'm not doing work that I want to do or I'm not taking care of the things that I need to take care of. Right. Like I'm not doing my taxes or I'm not whatever the self, the annoying self-care things that we have Mm -hmm. to do because you're telling yourself you're lazy. Right. Is it reinforcing that for yourself? And the fact of the matter is that if you change that story, if you work on that story and recognize, no, that's just a story that you've been fed and also a story that you have continued to tell yourself. Yeah. And you get, you get to change that. And you also get to find the ways in your life that you have acted in ways that it does not fit that. Mm-hmm. And that isn't your experience. Yeah. Um, okay, so now you ha- know a little bit about narrative therapy. So if you're looking for a therapist and you're hanging out in psychology today and you're like, oh, these people keep saying narrative therapy, here is a little bit into it. But if this related to you, like we want you to really think about what is the story I tell myself? What do I think is what? And also what's the story I talk about other people? When we get into this mindset, 
we also then can make up narratives about other people that aren't necessarily true, right? Like mm. this person doesn't actually want to be my friend, so I read between the lines <gasps> of everything. This this chick's actually not into me, so I make up all the reasons of why she had to act like cancel our date even though her dog was dying. You know, like all these different things, right? Like what is like the the overreading we do? But we have to do Dear M and Jen. I know. I'm looking for it right now. Oh my goodness. Do do your um like humming that you do. Maybe like a Jeopardy. Do like a Jeopardy hum. Is that it? That I think that's it. You know, me and my husband watch Jeopardy probably every yeah. night. I know. I think it's very funny that that's like a thing. You and guys we battle. Do we battle every night. Um, uh, Jen, are you watching White Lotus? Uh, I love White Lotus. Okay, and if you aren't, you should you should watch White Lotus on HBO Max. It's very it's good. so good. And I get it free is. HBO with my phone plan, so I recommend you check that as well. Hold on. Let me find it. I'm also Can I get on for... your... I found yes, it. I found it. Okay. Okay. Um, 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 um. Do the Dear first one. M and Jen. Yeah. That's what I was going to do. Dear M and Jen, I'm struggling with a battle. I'm wanting and feeling I need to leave my job due to high stress, anxiety, burnout, and wanting a career change that matters after COVID. I'm in marketing and feel I'm just tricking people into spending money, but I also need the financial stability. I have bills, rent, et cetera, no real savings I can rely on. What do I do and how do I manage being completely over my job but feeling trapped for the money while I figure out my next move? Thank you for all that you do. You don't realize how much you two are appreciated and not just in Philly. Thank you. So sweet. So nice. Okay, I have a lot of thoughts. Do you want to start? No, you start, go. Okay, so one of my thoughts is that you already know what you're doing, right? So burnout is also like, something that helps with burnout is the detaching from the emotions with it, right? To sit here and say, all right, you want to know what? I know that I'm already mentally out of this career, but I need six months to get my finances together before I make my next step. Just because I think sometimes we want to jump ship immediately because like fucking, of course, we hate what we're doing. We want to get the fuck out now, right? But... The other career is not going to go away. The other opportunity is probably not going to go away, whether that's you're going to go back to grad school or you're going to like go into a different, you know, nonprofit sector or something like that. Right. To sit here and think about like, okay, what would that look like for me to prioritize this next goal? So maybe that means in the next six months to like budget, like really seriously to save up to make this switch. And what does it look like to then emotionally detach from this job in those six months, right? Meaning that I don't answer emails after five o'clock. I do not check my phone on the weekends. You know what I mean? Like putting up like sort of like extreme boundaries and probably much more than you've ever had before to manage the next six months to a year to get to that next stepping stone. Um. We also, we did an episode on burnout and talk about recovering from burnout. And the tough thing is that when you're in a job that is just wearing you down, you feel really burnout from, and you're like, okay, I want to make this move. You're almost so exhausted that making the move feels even more exhausting. Mm -hmm. And so I love what you said, Em, in terms of setting boundaries and, you know, making a budget, creating a goal for yourself. And if you can find the time to help yourself recover from that burnout so that you can move towards these goals, I think is so, so important. And I know that that's really hard to do when you're so worn down and you can't really function. And so what that means is 
what can you give to yourself in the time that you do have, right? Where are you devoting time to things outside of work that maybe aren't serving you? And so setting boundaries at work, but also setting boundaries outside of work so that you can do what you can do to take care of yourself so that you can start to recover from that burnout and put energy towards the goal of moving to a different career. Mm -hmm. And um, my guess is this might not be possible, what I'm about to say, but also if you want to, I don't know, like start your own business or like start something on the side that there's a possibility of doing that at the same time as doing your job and like moving in that direction as you start to create more money um, in that side gig and mm -hmm. might give you a little bit more stability. But I understand that recovering from that burnout is might, might be the first step to that in order to move towards yeah. a different goal. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's it for the episode. Hey, if this episode related to you or you think anyone might like it, feel free to... Um, send it along their way we always appreciate if you rate review subscribe but on apple podcast it's follow um we love spending this time with you today we can't wait to see you next week listen to you talk to you then and hear all about your wonderful lives because in order to grow yourself you got to know yourself